Warning. This podcast does not contain actual virgins. Discretion is advised. The Movie Virgins. I'm Lindsay Schaefer. And I'm Leah Bross. And this is Movie Virgins, a weekly discussion of our first times, wait for it, with movies. Each week, one of us is re-watching the film and the other is seeing it for the very first time. And this week, I'm a robot. <laughs> I'm talking like a robot. I was going to try it. It didn't work. Okay. This week, we watched Sense and Sensibility from 1996. So the year was 1996, and Emma Thompson adapted Jane Austen's novel of the same name into a wonderful screenplay. Uh, and which she won the Oscar for, and right? And she did win the Oscar for it, yes, which is quite exciting. And the reason I selected this movie is because I think it's probably in my top 15, maybe in my top 10 favorite movies of all time. Wow. Um, and it's one of those movies that sometimes I forget about that I how much I love it because I can't tell you the first time I saw it. It was probably on cable or something. I don't think I rented it. Oh, so you didn't see it like in the theater mm-hmm. when you were no because you weren't that young. What ninety six? I would have been in high school. Okay, but yeah, because I didn't rent the month that it came out. But um, I think part of the reason when I would have seen it would have been after probably even after maybe during college or right after college, and there was a period of time. In high school and going into college, my parents got a divorce, and it was just me and my mom and my sister going it alone. And so I think watching these women kind of deal, like, I mean, they have a different situation, obviously. Their their father has died, and he has to give his property to his son because of the way it was given to him in inheritance, and they have nothing. And so they're really kind of struggling to, to figure things out. And yeah, it's a different time and a different set of social s- standards and things, but... Um, I do feel that, and the way that, that Eleanor Dashwood is with her sister Marianne, the closeness that they have, um, I didn't always have that with my sister, but it, I just, I, it really resonated with me, um, and I, it makes me so, every time I watch it, and I, I will say, if there's a longer period of time between, because I watched it probably two, three weeks ago, before oh. I watched it again last night, Okay. and I, it didn't hit me as hard, but if I, there's a gap of time between watching it now and maybe like I watch it again in like three months or four months I will laugh and I will cry how often do you watch is this like a every five years or like yeah every few like months? I've maybe seen it like maybe five or six times like I mm-hmm. haven't seen it that many times mm-hmm. I own it now so I'll probably watch it more but it's it's angly mm-hmm. um and I don't know a lot about it. Like, Brokeback Mountain, I think, is the only other movie of his that I've seen. Um, Brokeback Mountain, the Hulk version that I refuse to watch right. because he's all computerized. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, of course. Um, but there's, I mean, he... There were a few others. Yeah, too. and he's won, he's won Oscars for his directing. This is beautifully shot. I love where it is. Um, it's just, it's the fucking costuming. Like, 
I like I love everything about everything that they're wearing except for there's one dress I want to. What about, about oh for the women okay yeah because <laughs> the, the like cod flap on Hugh Grant is little, very distracting. It's a little much. Um, and yeah, I think Anna Thompson. She's not someone who I I know that well, but I really connect with her in this movie. That character of Eleanor who's just so inside herself and you know not sharing what's going on with her where she's got this foil in Marianne who's just very like wears her heart on her sleeve and she wants passion and love mm-hmm. and so the conversations between them of like what is love and who you love and the way that you love them it's just really interesting to me there's lots of really great um just comedy built into the characters you know it's it and uh they're fun to watch I think it's interesting to think about this type of so it's supposed to be set in like I guess the novel is set in 1810 just the culture around women don't really hold jobs and this is a class of people who just don't work right yeah Um, you know so there are no jobs to be (laughs) right right so nobody's really working I mean the men are in that way that you're like military not really no you're like a lieutenant not doing everybody's just kind of living off the family money and party so I'm like how awesome would it be to just sit and read and write and make music and talk and just do that all day sounds great (laughs) it's so funny (laughs) I'm watching them thinking my god how do they stay awake (laughs) like what is i think at one point when um steel miss steel was like lucy steel would you would you she didn't even say take a walk what was it like take but she was basically saying you want to take a walk with me let's get out of here they literally take like 15 steps around the room and then they turn around and walk back yeah Yeah. like that's your exercise for the day i just oh and there were a couple of points where they (laughs) They did kind of look like they were falling asleep because they were just sitting there either reading or doing needlepoint or whatever the fuck you're doing. And yeah, all I could think was, unless I was Margaret, who was like playing outside and, you know, running around and stuff. How the fuck can you people live? I, oh my it gosh. Just, it, seemed, it seems really, really interesting to me. And I, there, it's romantic. Like there, it's mm. a lot of it is very romantic. Pastoral, especially they're living in this cottage in the country. So you see London a little bit, but mostly you're saying the details, though. The details in the costuming, the details in the the setting, and and what he did with that. It felt very real. And mm. I feel like you oftentimes talk about how you get immersed into something. They build a world. Mm. I'm in the world, and I'm not a person. I don't read Jane Austen. Like I've never read Pride and Prejudice. I don't care about the shows or the movies. Um, like uh, I've never read any. What about? The Bronte sisters, anybody? So, of the Bronte sisters, I don't think I've read Wuthering Heights. I really like Jane Eyre. So that's probably, of this period, the novel that I like the most is Jane Eyre, but that's really the only one I read. It's funny, it's Wuthering Heights for me is like the only one, the only one that I like. So, so I get that people love Jane Austen, but for me, and, and I'm like paying attention to the story, I was paying a little bit more attention to just how it was kind of built and how it worked. It feels a little clunky, and I get that in those novels, it's just kind of like, this happened, and then this yeah, happened, and then this happened. That was happened, how I felt at the beginning. Happened. Like the yeah. very beginning, it was just, la la la, everything's beautiful, beautiful countryside. I'm dying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it felt very abrupt, yeah. like a really abrupt beginning. And that was kind of what I was wondering, because I haven't read the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was kind of what I was I think that's how wondering too, if it's are, right, if it's yeah. just a sign of the story, so to speak. But I guess the reason, and I could be way off on this, because like I said, I don't, I'm not a Jane Austen head, and I don't know, but I feel like people really like them, the stories for the characters. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. when they talk about Pride and Prejudice, they talk about Mr. Darcy and how much, yeah. and and uh, the character Elizabeth Bennet and and how they treat each other and their relationship, and it's all about the witty repartee and and mm-hmm. you know, all that good stuff. So. And I have seen 
I don't think I've seen the Colin Firth miniseries, but I have seen the the one with uh, what's her face from Atonement. Kira Knightley. Yeah, I've seen the Pride and Prejudice with her. I haven't seen Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies, but I've heard good things. I did try to watch that, and it was so boring. I fast forwarded through. Yeah, it. yeah, that was me though. Um, so t- this is not a, the typical kind of stuff. I mean, like this Victorian era stuff is not typically for me. Like I- I'm not usually into that kind of stuff, but for whatever reason, and I think it's probably because of Emma Thompson, I am a little bit obsessed with this movie yeah, and clearly. could watch it again and again. And another thing, I, a memory I have about me and my mom, my sister. I don't consider myself the Marianne. If I had to say, I'd say my sister's the Marianne and I'm the Eleanor, but I'm not maybe as closed off as Eleanor can be. Um, but I remember my mom and my sister and I watching Forever Young with Mel Gibson because my mom really liked Mel Gibson like ever I since I forgot like, all about that movie. Yeah, and it's too bad he was canceled because of that sugar tits thing. But anyway. Um, he wasn't canceled. He's still doing fine. Well, he's going to make... Just he's that old. stupid new Santa Claus movie that... Oh, really? ...is coming out that... Uh, yeah, you need to look it up. It's called... The Fat Man or Fat Man. Okay. It's going to be weird. But anyway. I think I'm good on Christmas <laughs> movies. I got I got a good number of them under my belt. We're good. Yeah. So we were watching Forever Young and we had seen it before. So I remember just us sitting in the living room of the house watching this movie and the end comes, right, where they're basically dying, right? You've seen it, right? Yeah. A long, long, long yeah, time yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, They're like dying and it's fucking sad or whatever. And I'm trying not to cry because this was in the days of like, hold it in, Leah, hold it in, don't show your emotions. And I think that's maybe where I, I'm veering away from Eleanor because I was a person who held that all of that in. So I really, 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 really connect with her on that in this movie. So I'm like trying not to, but then finally I'm like, fuck it, I can't help myself. So like, I'm crying, I look at my mom, she's crying, and my sister's like, what's wrong with you? This is so stupid, you guys are dumb. <laughs> so fuck that. Uh, let your let it let it flow, ladies. Let it flow, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, um, but on top, of, the cast is a wonderful cast. It's got Alan fucking Rickman. It's got mm. Hugh Laurie, with, like just fucking coming in hot. Um, it's wonderful. I enjoy it so much. Um, the woman I don't know her, but the woman who plays Fanny Dashwood, which one? Their their brothers, their half brother's wife. Oh, the the, the sister army yeah, yeah, yeah. woman. Oh God, oh, she's the fucking worst. She's phenomenal yeah. in this just every that scene with I her and discretion i'll be as yes. as the grave and i didn't i don't i didn't realize until last night what she says when lucy finally whispers in her ear that she's engaged to edward what she freaks out and starts throwing shit everywhere what she says is viper in my bosom <laughs> the language I it's wonderful that. i think the thing that bothered me the most about that like that was a, that was a great scene but for the <laughs> fact that lucy was holding the dog when she whispered into her ear. And now I'm very concerned. Like, did that poor... It looked like a whippet. Did he fly across the room? Those dogs break legs very easily. So that's in the trivia. Like, I read through all the goofs because I definitely noticed some things. Oh, was that as it? Yeah. And that's a goof. She's holding the dog and then the next minute the dog is gone. Right. <laughs> um, there were some other things that I... That I noticed since I watched it. There are some things that don't quite fit. Or um, some really obvious mistakes, but... Not so much that it takes I also love, <laughs> I love the scene with the doctor, who I can only assume that doctors at that point did mm-hmm. nothing but come and go, oh, she is warm. <laughs> right. Therefore, she has a random infectious fever, whatever the fuck that means. And then he just like sticks around to keep feeling her forehead, right? Right. And, and then, then when she's finally good, I'll give you a smile. Yes, he doesn't even say anything, because I'm expecting him to at the very least say, the fever has broken. Yeah. <laughs> but no, instead, he just feels her forehead what 
I'm sorry, could Eleanor not have sensed temperature with her fingers? I know, right? Did we need you there, Doctor? She's just a woman. She's not a doctor, Lindsay. Oh, I see. She doesn't know about the humors. Oh, I the see. The bloodletting. <laughs> the bit where he walks out, he's like, I'm afraid she has an infectious fever has taken hold, and I I strongly recommend that you get yeah, your like baby, get the baby out. Mrs. Bunting! Yeah. Mrs. Bunting! That was great. <laughs> Mrs. She obviously loves her baby so much. I didn't know she fucking had a baby until I got back to the <laughs> no, house. No, right? Like, she was gone from that's, the baby. That's, that's these people, right? Mrs. Jennings and her son, Sir John. God bless them and their shitty senses of humor. Like, well, him. When Marianne plays on the, the, the pianoforte and then they're like, oh, Ms. Dashwood to Eleanor, like, won't you please entertain us? And we would love it if you would see, sing for us in the key of F major. And mm-hmm. then they just laugh. <laughs> it's so funny. I love them. I love them and all their dogs. I, I, they're great, <laughs> but also so annoying, which is wonderful. Yes, like it's, yes. it's, it's perfect. The, the, they've got Sir John sitting down and they want to know more about Willoughby. And he's and he's like, what's he like? And he's like, what? he says something like he's, uh, what does he say? He's a decent shot. Not a bolder rider in all of England, and the smartest little bitch of a boiner. Like he just—he's just talking about all the things that Willoughby is as a man. But he's right. like, "What is he like?" Uh-huh. Well, he's a great shot. <laughs> he's got this really cute dog. It's just so super great. Uh, I just love that about him. He's just so. But he's—he's he's like his mother, and that he's noticing. Like he notices that Colonel Brandon is has it a uh, little crush on Marianne, and he's like, "Oh, you know, she'd be lucky to have you." And he's like, "He, she'd know." And Brandon, of course, is very perceptive. He's like, "She'd no more notice me than she would notice you." Like I'm just an old man to her. Like yes. Can we talk for a second about the fact that he's an old man? So and here's I the thing: in the book, he was maybe supposed to be like in his 30s, and she was supposed to be 17 or something. But like. Yeah, he was supposed he's, to be twice her age, right. as opposed to in the movie, he's, he's more than twice her age. Older, yeah. But I, casting aside, he says the woman that he was in love with had a baby out of wedlock that he essentially, I mean, I know he didn't raise it as his own because he gave it away to somebody else. So he, Beth. he clearly. Beth was the baby. Beth, right. He clearly had a somewhat fatherly relationship with this mm-hmm. child who is. Older, or we'll say for the About sake the of this, as as the same age as Mary. That grosses me out. Like, aside from the fact that he obviously is older and she's obviously younger, um, I got the feeling that he had missed out on a sort of father-daughter relationship with this sort of pseudo-daughter, mm-hmm. and she got herself into trouble, and he may have regretted not helping her through that. Right. And now he's marrying someone the same age as her, falling in love with someone the same. It feels very gross to me. I understand it's a different time. Blah, 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 blah. I wasn't really grossed out by it, but I can see where you're coming from. Um, I guess it, it never really bothered me, but I also don't, watching it last night, I know that Marianne went through this whole thing with Willoughby, and we should talk about Willoughby. Willoughby, Willoughby. Um, I hate the settling too. It doesn't, I don't know, but that's what I'm trying to wrap my brain around. Because it feels like she sees what Eleanor has, how Eleanor has behaved. And there's this moment in the movie where she's there, they stop in there. She's like, and that's where I fell. And that's where he found me. Mm-hmm. And Eleanor's saying, you know, you shouldn't compare your, or you're comparing your behavior to his. Because, and she's like, no, I'm comparing it to what it should have been. It should have been like you. Mm-hmm. I should have been more like you. I don't think that's okay. Like, I think Marianne should be who she is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of a bummer. But I also 
think she found in Brandon what she needed. So he is a romantic in a lot of ways. Maybe not that passion you know and craziness that Willoughby has. She needed to be taken care of. Like, she fell for Willoughby because he rescued her. Mm-hmm. And then once she decides that she likes the colonel, it's because he's a colonel, right? Yeah, Colonel Brandon. Yeah. 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 Once she decides she kind of likes the colonel, it's because he also rescued her. He and he's coming to her rescue now. Which, Leah? Is that not a little bit like a father-daughter relationship? Oh, let's... He's taking care of her? Uh-huh. Yeah. Which he so, wants to do because he missed taking care of his own pseudo-daughter. I'm just saying. I'm just putting it out there. But they're definitely going to fuck. Yeah, I know. That's my point. But I also think, so... And there, to be clear, he really only is attracted to her because she played the piano well. I'm more than that. She's beautiful. Oh, okay. I okay. think he likes the fire she in her. She probably reminds him of Beth. He... Gross, dude. Just mm-hmm. gross. Um, also, so if you think about their mom, Mrs. Dashwood, was married to a man who was, uh, I'm assuming, was older than her because he had been married before. Right. Um, and his other wife probably died. He had this older son, and then he marries Mrs. Dashwood, the second Mrs. Dashwood. Mm-hmm. We're assuming the second Mrs. Dashwood. Um, so I think it's also just cultural, right? <laughs> I think it is. That's why I was saying I understand it's a bit of a different time, mm-hmm. but it still grosses me out. Yes. And you're right. Marianne does want to be rescued. Yeah. And I think that is a bigger sign of the times, even than mm-hmm. older man, younger woman, which of course would happen. Yeah. Um, but the idea of, so, okay. I, of course, knew about this movie all along. Yeah. Um, I was never adamantly opposed to seeing it. It just doesn't appeal to me. And I think that's... The, the God's honest truth about all of this is the kind of British aristocratic bullshit <laughs> has never appealed to me at all. Like, I I don't want to sit there and watch a bunch of rich, non-working people complain about the fact that it's raining or... They can't have they, beef. Or they can't have beef or whatever the fuck they have to actually complain about. Everything or just gossip. Feels, just gossip. Everything feels so trivial and obnoxious and boring. And I just, it, again, it's not that I like hate it or dislike it. I just honestly could not care less about that yeah. time and those people. I 100%. I don't that's what I'm saying. Like, this is not the kind of movie I'm into. But for whatever reason, yeah, it, this it movie just hit you. me just right. And so and I, I don't. It. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a good movie. I'm not disputing that. I still enjoyed watching it. But I definitely walking away from it still have a feel of like, but I just don't really like with the exception of, yeah, Eleanor, I, I think I just don't really like the characters or the story or the messages sent. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, there's because also I I am not a romantic. I admit yeah. I fully yeah. am not a romantic. So the idea of it almost feels like there's an element of love at first sight. Like <gasps> he rescued me and now I love him. Mm-hmm. And he spoke with me and we walked together for an afternoon. We must marry. Like, and I I get that for I, the time. That, that felt way like Eleanor and Edward felt way more real to me just because they were so alike. I think. So. Yeah, no, I, I think it did same, feel same more values so. But and... I think anytime you get into any of those books, stories, movies, the, the mm-hmm. stories of that yeah. time, um, it just feels like the only thing that anybody is thinking about is marrying off these women. Oh, yeah. And that has always rubbed me the wrong way, and mm-hmm. it always kind of bugs me. So then when I see Marianne so desperate for love and so desperate to find a man that 
it does feel like she's settling for the colonel. Mm-hmm. I don't know that she really loves him. Don't get me wrong. I would love to have Alan Rickman read to me. <laughs> I mean, I that would be amazing for sure. But I don't think I would rush to marry him other than the fact that he's there and he can provide. And I just simply must be married. And I found that really interesting too. I I didn't know the book like insofar as I haven't read the book. I assumed that these sisters were supposed to be much, 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 much younger. Um, mm-hmm. Eleanor in particular. I think, I think Eleanor in the book was maybe supposed Maybe I think I, no, I, think I, I read that she was supposed to be so like 18. Emma Thompson was 36 when yeah. they made this movie, and I think she's supposed to be like 18 or 19. Exactly. Yeah. And I assumed that before I read it even, because if you weren't, what, 20 and married? You're a fucking You're old a maid. You're yeah. a spinster, right. Um, and I... I just hate that. And she, there is the one scene where she's walking with Edward Eleanor's and she's talking about that idea of like feeling trapped, you know, and he yeah, says it like too. Like I he, can't work. Right. Yeah. And he's, he says it too, of course, that he feels trapped as well because of his family and everything. And right. I thought but that was great. When we get the little tidbit that piracy is our only option. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, feeling trapped and yeah. not being able to work. I, I think that was nice. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I enjoyed the movie and I think it, it had some elements of modern day sensibilities mm-hmm. injected into it in that way. Yeah. Um, but I still, as a modern woman, she says with air quotes, <laughs> I still have a really hard time watching young women just fawn over men because they need to be married. Which I don't think you get from Eleanor. No. Um, but you do get from the older women who are just so desperate to they find someone for up. them. right? Yep. And and from the men who, maybe they don't care that much, but they're definitely like, yeah, you should definitely get married. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, sweet romantic, overly romantic Marianne mm-hmm. and her mother who's assuming he's going to propose. And of course he did propose. And then the part where she's like, maybe you should just ask her if he proposed. And she's like, oh no, I can't speak of things like that. <laughs> what? <laughs> that was great. I think it's because she didn't, because I was really paying attention to that last night too. I think it's because she didn't want to force Marianne to talk about it. She wanted her to. Well, because Marianne kept saying, do not ask me yeah. any questions. That's a, that was great. When they come back to the house and Will, like Marianne's like sobbing and yeah. they all think there's going to be a, a wedding, a, a marriage proposal. Will it be like stalks off like a, the drama queen that he is. Yes. And then everybody slams I mean, their doors and that cries. is my favorite that was my favorite part of the whole movie actually the and fact that because like well i guess i'll just sit here and you hear this tea. You, you see uh marianne take off and start crying and you can still kind of hear her crying and then she's having the conversation with her mother and her mother leaves in tears and in my mind i'm thinking oh god everybody's crying and yeah. then she walks in and finds margaret Poor standing margaret. there like, going she like she won't let me in and now she's crying and i'm sitting there thinking oh god this is awkward <laughs> this house full of women <laughs> just, exactly, crying. just crying and then eleanor seems to feel the same way <laughs> Well, she just, just sits there and drinks her tea. Very practical, like person. Everyone else is very dramatic about how they only have five hundred pounds a year. Yes, and she's just like, okay. well, we have to watch our money, and we can't stay there. It's we can't afford that, mm-hmm. and and she's just the person that's kind of picking up the pieces. Dad's dead, the house is gone, and she's you know Marianne's throwing a fit like, oh, Fanny wants to know where the silver is so she can count it, and blah 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 blah. Like, I got bigger and shit to worry Eleanor, about. Eleanor, <laughs> and, and she's doing the work of telling the servants, I'm sorry, we can only bring these two with us. Right. And she gets some presents. And she's, she's definitely just, the pragmatic yes, one. Yes, yes. Um, and, and even to the point I, of yeah. Edward, yes, I love him. I will not tell anyone that I love him, though. And he has made a promise. And he should keep his promise because mm-hmm. your word is all that you have. And I'm going to support him in that. Like, yeah. that is a super pragmatic approach. Yeah. Um, I, uh, 
I do love, there was, there was something I was just thinking about and it totally escaped me. It was something that Marianne said right after Willoughby had dumped her. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was um, after Eleanor comes and talks to her and tells her about the fact that Willoughby knocked up this other girl mm-hmm. and got in trouble for it and now he has to marry another woman for money. Which all of that, you know, I say rubs me the wrong way, but the reality is I just don't care. Like, I, I totally understand it's a... This was something that was written hundreds of years ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a completely different world. And I get that. It's just not a world that interests me. So when yeah. I say, like, it rubs me the wrong way or I don't like it or I don't... It's not it's that just, I... You're not... In, yeah, no, I get it. I'm it's not the same judging way that I'm it. like, I don't give a shit about the Marvel Universe. Right, exactly. exactly. It, this isn't me judging it. It's just really saying I just am not interested. But I really did mm-hmm. appreciate the fact that um, for us kind of modern audiences, that one of the things that, that Marianne said after that was... so. So Eleanor told her all of this and then said, you know, you can hold on to the fact that he loved you. Like, believe that you're not crazy. He did love you. And she just looks at her and says, yeah, but not enough. Mm-hmm. And then starts going to shopping. Right. But mm-hmm. that's so great. Like, that's 100% true. Oh, he loved me? Really? But he fucking loves money more. Right. Or he loves his status more. Right. Or his name more. Stability. Yeah. It. So I guess the reason that I don't, it doesn't bother me as a modern woman is because I think this this is where I can look at what goes on in our culture now and I can say, okay, well, we came from this and how much did this inform how we behave now, which is interesting to me. Yeah, I, I think, again, getting into, you know, what the, the interesting side of it is. I'm much more interested in uh, the North American pioneer women who... Okay, they may have still been considered chattel. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they didn't have a choice in marriage. Maybe they were still expected to have children all the time and not to go to work. But they damn well worked their asses off I know. to survive. And these people are just like. And I think yeah. yeah, I think that's a big part of it. Is it's it's the aristocracy. Yeah. Like I just just don't care about. Oh, your woes of the neighbor <laughs> boy just doesn't love me as I want him to. Like okay, well. Over here, there in America, that woman still is plowing the fields with cholera. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is interesting. I guess or I just d- out in London, it doesn't have to be in America. Out in London, there's some woman mm-hmm. who's like going to work with her baby on her back mm-hmm. and putting in hard days work. But we and only dying have five hundred pounds of cholera. Year. Yeah, it, I think they did a good job of kind of. So when you first meet Fanny, this the mm-hmm. sister-in-law. She's talking to John, their brother, about how much because he's his. I he's love just that at his father's deathbed, and she's and his father says you have to take care of them, and they're only going to have five hundred pounds a year. And then what is he? He goes. He's like, I'm going to give them each three thousand pounds, and she's like, Well, that's an interesting number. And where right. did you come up with that? Oh, and then by the time they get in the carriage, I'll give them fifteen fifteen hundred pounds. Yeah, like <laughs> it's, she slowly whittles it out of him, and yeah. I think she says some really ridiculous shit, like, you know, if you're just giving them money all the time they'll never die something to that effect like you'll keep living if you're giving getting a stipend or something like that just really gross some really really gross but also true if you look at rich people versus poor people the rich people do tend to outlast it is true yeah i don't think it's because it's not a yeah Yeah. but she's just such a gross disgusting person and, and you you really get to see her the thing that she said this time that i was watching it that she said that i was like fuck you was when they were in the library at (gasps) <gasps> and she said, I've never liked the smell so, of books. I have two what notes. The fucking fuck. I have two notes from this entire movie. One is, I just find aristocracy uninteresting. Mm-hmm. And the other is, 
I'm sorry, you never liked the smell of books? Could there be a more monstrous thing to say? <laughs> sick fuck. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then, of course, cunt. Edward's just like, well, is it's it probably dust? because of the dust. And he is so great in kind of course correcting her because she's talking about how they just haven't been very welcoming and they're so selfish. And he's like, well, their father just died. Their lives will never yeah. be the same again. Or from the very beginning, too, when he, you know, she says how how is your room mm-hmm. and she was like you should have a view and he was like oh well no they accidentally showed yes. me to a family oh, member's yes. room but don't worry i've taken I'm in care the stables of it and it's fine but yeah so you get to really get to see fanny's hypocrisy when they are she's with lucy Steele, telling her oh my dear they'll love you to death whoever it is that you end up with and she's like oh but i just i don't have Remember a dowry with the exception of- i don't have a dowry and she's like oh it won't matter you're just a treasure and so then when she finally does tell her did she, she was, loses her damn mind was she assuming that she would marry her younger brother is that the whole idea that was what i was thinking is no, she was totally think- fine with her marrying no. was it robert no i don't think she would have been fine with her marrying robert well she did I, end up marrying him so she yeah must have been yeah fine because with because obviously the second that she's that lucy saw robert her jaw was on the floor i don't understand it but right but i mean no no i i mean uh the sister-in-law was i don't think it was because of her. she wouldn't have wanted especially but since she didn't robert care ended up getting getting ended up getting the entire fortune after edward was like kicked out because he was in so I can, I promise you. Edward was engaged to Lucy when when their mother found when Edward Edward's mother found out. He said she said fuck that. Robert right. gets all the money. So I promise. But you. then Robert ended up marrying Lucy and kept the money. I yeah, imagine. I'm sure he did. And I. But it seems to me that Robert is more liked by the family. Anyway. But he had those teeth. He did. I love the end. The last scene of the movie. And I want to talk more about this later. I just love it when. Edward's talking to Eleanor and explaining the situation. And he goes, if I had a more active profession, I never would have done the things that I did. Like, he's blaming the fact that he didn't have an active profession on having this silly engagement to the girl who was, like, his uh, the niece of his mm-hmm. headmaster or whatever at school in Plymouth. Um, so, yeah, I think, yeah, I think Fanny, she whispered in Fanny's ear, it's mm-hmm. your, I'm engaged to your brother Edward and Fanny lost her shit and I don't think she would have been happy about like she obviously wasn't happy at, Curdy, at Colonel Brandon's wedding to Mary Ann she looked annoyed the entire time of course um, which I guess you don't do you see Robert and Lucy in that I don't remember I don't remember seeing them there yeah but you do see Fanny yeah so she's kind of the well she was family she had to be there yeah I would say she's like the she's sort of like the bad the bad guy in this one mm. um, the evil step like, she Mother, says some really shitty things to Mrs. Dashwood while... So when Edward first comes to stay with them and uh, really makes friends with Margaret as his slave. Yeah. And, or as her slave and... Well, yeah, yeah, when they were talking and... Because at first her mother was... And I do love that exchange between the mother and Marianne. Where Marianne is like... she The, the mother's like, well, I know we got this place to stay, but I think we're going to stay here for a little while longer. Right. Because I think Something's your sister happening. is, yeah, kind of kind of something's happening there and she's like but he's so oh he's just so boring <laughs> read, and, he can't even right. read the stuff right and like, the fact that she just immediately corrects her with yes i, I understand you feel that way yeah but i think eleanor likes yeah. it yeah <laughs> i, I yeah. definitely loved that um but yeah then the very next scene i believe was her talking to this cunt of a woman yep. who's going on and on about about how money he's and... going to marry someone wonderful well, well she goes he's the kind of person that would 
would promise himself to someone that he shouldn't be promised to because of right because he can't marry yeah, someone like exactly you know someone because like you. as you said she is a cunt of a woman yes quite good quite quite a good assessment quite indeed quite a, qu- a cunt quite, of a quite, woman quite quite um so yeah i i guess i have there are moments in the movie that i felt really connected with when when it comes out finally that Edward is engaged to Lucy and Marianne confronts Eleanor and Eleanor just is like, yeah, I, I could have produced proof enough of a broken heart even for you. Like, I've been keeping this inside of me. I couldn't share it with anyone. Like, use a dick right now. It's so hard, though, because... Uh, so I would, I would say I, too, would identify the most with mm-hmm. Eleanor um, of, of everyone in this movie. Yeah. But... And I really felt for her in that scene. But I also, I also as an outsider can't help but see like, you didn't, you didn't let on anything. You didn't communicate yeah. anything to her. Well, that's her. She so, keeps everything I know. Inside. And the honest truth is, is if you don't let on at all that you're hurting, you cannot blame the other person for going about their day in a normal fashion mm-hmm. and for not knowing or realizing when yeah. you are purposefully hiding it from them. I think her reaction, though, was because Marion was was pissed at her, mm-hmm. like, for not telling her. And she's like, I had to fucking keep it a secret. And Eleanor, she, she does wrong Marianne in that way, in the way that Marianne kind of, it's just the kid that don't understand each other. I think Eleanor really understands Marianne. I think Marianne doesn't understand why Eleanor isn't more passionate and why she doesn't. I don't know that I would say that Eleanor really understands Marianne. I think she I think she well, gets she, it. She knows she, that she's like that. I think she that, thinks that she's going to outgrow it. Yeah, she, exactly. She says as much to Colonel Brandon. Right. So she knows that's how she is, but I don't think that she accepts it as who she she's is. Who right. she is. That's fair. Yeah. And for example, you know, you say she says, I, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell anyone because, oh, I made this promise to this fucking rando i know no you could you very well could tell your sister she's your sister you made the choice not to don't put that on her i know i adore too that margaret is always like when when willoughby like brings marianne back from the fields and like she's soaking wet and margaret has to go get a cold compress and she's like don't talk about anything without me and then like she's always when they meet mrs jennings and she just thinks well mrs jennings says whatever she wants so i will say whatever i want too and then then in the end she's like climbing up into the treehouse to say like wait they're they're sitting together now they're they're together now oh wait they're leaning on each other yeah so i really love that moment when marianne confronts her about not having told about edward the truth about edward um and i loved there is a series of moments where she gets to see Edward while she's in London. First, it's when Lucy's in the room with her and Edward mm-hmm. doesn't realize it. And mm-hmm. Lucy's just said, I will hopefully get to see Edward very mm-hmm. soon. Because of course he'll come mm-hmm. to me first. Yes, and, I've got, and I got to meet his mother and she likes me. And, and then he walks in and, and he doesn't realize she's there. And that awkwardness of all, like he obviously just wants mm-hmm. to get the fuck out. And the fact that she even says at one point, she says something like, Oh well, you you probably noticed that I wasn't at your sister's house, like yeah, yeah, yeah just kind of a, yeah. Of course, I yeah. And Lucy, that. of course, is just fucking clueless as fuck. I um, wonder if she actually is, though. I think she is. I don't. She didn't. I think that she did know that there's something there, but I don't know that she was concerned about it because why would you be concerned? But you Edward had been talking about Eleanor, and he, her read on it was they were just very good friends. 
Like that right, was right, right. Her no, I, I, I know she got jealous that. But there Eleanor. were so th- so many things along the way that I did get, and maybe this is me reading into it. Again, I haven't read the book, so I don't mm-hmm. know how fleshed out this particular character was. Yeah. But I do find myself, from the movie at least, wondering about her and wondering if, as time goes on, she does start to catch on because mm-hmm. they're joking about this mysterious Mr. F. Mm-hmm. And at one point, uh, when they even okay. say Edward Ferris, you know, she kind of does give a little bit of a mm-hmm. look like, uh, yeah, Edward Ferris. Mm-hmm. Um that was it, Ferris, wasn't it, Ferris? It's Ferris? F-E-R-R-A-R-S. Ferris okay. is how it sounds like they're saying it. Okay. Um, and, and then even then, like I said, when they're sitting there all together, she does have a smile on her face, but it's a bit put on, and she makes it a point in an almost defensive way mm-hmm. to say, sure. but clearly you went and tried to find me first mm-hmm. because you got all of my wonderful letters, yeah. right? So I feel like she did maybe catch on a little, and I do wonder what happened. I wonder if she truly... I feel like the way that she's painted from the perspective of others is maybe a bit aloof or mm-hmm. obtuse, you know, and not noticing that there was love there. But I wonder if, if that was totally true or and did she leave him for Robert because she actually did decide that she loves Robert more and wanted to do that? Or did she leave him for Robert because she, she saw that yeah. he wasn't in love with her anymore and wasn't happy with her and he and she knew who he was Mm -hmm. in love with and whom he would be happy with. And so she let him go. I don't know. I always just, for me, I always just assumed she, cause she sees Robert at that party in London and Mm -hmm. immediately just gets this look on her face and then she stays behind with him. Sure. But she may have also just been thinking, I want to ingratiate myself with this family. Um, But Robert seemed a little bit enamored of her. Cause when he goes to take Eleanor for a dance, he's like, save one for me. I'll be back for you. Um, so I wonder if she just... And the thing is, she and Edward, they had this... They only saw each other, she said, twice a year. I mean... Yeah, they were like I, high school sweethearts, basically. Right. <laughs> so it's not a surprise to me that her affections, like, what, how how does Edward put it, transferred from me to my brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's not... It's I not just... I feel like what you, what you hear from these other characters mm-hmm. would tell you that she's perhaps just sort of fickle or maybe even left him because she didn't want to be, you know, a... Like a pastor's wife, you right. know, or vicar, yeah. or whatever he is. Vicar, have his own parish. Yeah, whatever. Colonel Brandon, give me a parish. Oh, that was so sweet, though. <laughs> it was so fucking cute. That was so cute, the way he said that. Um, yeah, so so the way that everybody else is kind of putting it out there makes you wonder if she really is just kind of an awful or, yeah. or fickle, immature so, young woman. But I honestly do, there was a part of me that honestly was wondering and thinking if she is really very aware of all of this and is mm-hmm. trying to do what's best for him and knowing that she'll be all right with Robert. Like, she likes him fine. Yeah. So course. she'll be fine with him, so. So so that was one of my burning questions, is is she a sympathetic character? I don't know that she was overtly painted that way, but I also don't think that she was made to be unsympathetic. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I do feel like she was thinking that they really were friends. Mm-hmm. I um, think she did absolutely and, think they were best friends. Yeah, and she, I think she saw someone who... I feel comfortable sharing my secret with you because mm-hmm. we both have affection for this, this person. This person He's who, your close friend. And, and I can't talk about him with anyone. Right, and I right. want to talk about him because I love him. Um, yeah, I don't think that... I, I, I definitely don't think that she was made to be unsympathetic because if she was, I don't think I would be having these thoughts about her. I think she's absolutely sympathetic. I think she comes off as a little naive at times and maybe a little, like, kind of not reading the room so much. Sure. Um, yeah. But Eleanor is so good at hiding her emotions that she's even hidden them from Marianne. Like, Marianne lectures Eleanor when Eleanor's saying, like, 
I hold him in high esteem and I like him and, mm-hmm. and Marianne's giving her shit for it. But I think I like Marianne knows her enough to kind of see what's going on. But even she had to have her mom kind of say, well, we're staying because obviously Eleanor and Edward have a thing. And then Mar- so I think it, Eleanor hid it well enough from her family. She easily could have hidden that from oh, yeah. what's her And face. I think that she did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, but it's. That's the, the performance I find so great because I know what's going on inside of her head because I, I know what's going on between her and Edward. So when Edward shows up to meet with her and Lucy is there, the look on her face, like she, it's you see all of it. But for someone like Lucy, I think she probably would have just been like, oh my God, it's Edward, he's here, oh my God, ah! Like just fangirling over him. Um, I must say, I don't like Hugh Grant that much and he, I can really only tolerate him in a few things and this is the number one thing um that i like him in i thought he was great i I think the thing that i love most about his performance in this too and again not having read the book i don't really know how this character seemed Mm -hmm. um, in the book i don't book but people did not want him cast in the in this role because this guy's supposed to be super awkward and super so i yeah i got that that was what but maybe not also not as good looking very plain okay well i don't and hugh and hugh jackman hugh grant looks really fucking good in this movie minus the weird collar i've never i've never found hugh grant in his hair i don't know what's happening with his hair it was just just big 90s hair (laughs) it was some (laughs) like sometimes one side would be poking out further than the other and it was just very like this big 90s hair um, I've never found him to be super attractive, so that doesn't really resonate with me that he might be too good looking. Oh, I but I did think, I thought he was great at being awkward. Like, yeah. everything he said was painstakingly slow, and, mm-hmm. and he's very methodical like, oh, in his oh, thought. Oh, oh, yeah. And, um, yeah, I thought that was all really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the writing, I'm sure it was part of it, definitely by Hugh Grant. Because... He so like I said, I, I don't necessarily find him super attractive, but I absolutely admit that he's a very charming man, mm-hmm. and there's an element of that charm that you still get in Edward, but not a lot. He yeah. really is just kind of a very thoughtful young man, mm-hmm. um, which I can a hundred percent see why this very pragmatic, thoughtful young woman mm-hmm. would fall for him. Yep, I say young woman; she's fucking my age, but. So there's a so the other thing the other meaning in London that I love is when Colonel Brandon tells her, "Hey, I have a place. I, I feel awful about what's going on with Edward and Lucy. I have a parish where they can come, mm-hmm. and but and, you should tell him. Yeah, it should be better coming from. I definitely am suspicious about Colonel Brandon's motivations there. I feel like maybe he knew what was going on. I assumed it was just because here again he, really he feels. Did. Yes. Well, I think he just feels so terrible about the way that his life ended up, or more specifically, the way that. The woman who birthed Beth. I don't remember Eliza. if they even shared Eliza. That was her name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he feels terrible about the way her life went because he couldn't stand up the way that um, Edward was doing. Right. So when she asks to meet with Edward and he comes, and I gotta say, this is where the costume falls down for me. Emma Thompson wears this dress twice. There is a blue checked dress that is a less of a check and maybe more of like a pat a pattern um, that is okay. And she wears that one maybe once or twice. There is a blue checked dress. It is like sharp, like lines of blue in these even squares over like a light blue or white. And it is the ugliest pattern of cloth. And I hate that. Because I like the empire waists that they wear and they've got like 
these sheer numbers kind of tucked into like their like around their neck and tucked into their mm-hmm. like bosom. I love that look. Mm-hmm. It looks so comfy. I want to wear it. I want that fashion to come back because I will wear that shit all day, every day. Oh, I don't know. Haven't don't you ever don't you have any like sports bras or anything that just no. cut you really deep around the ribs? I mean, not that I would wear. Like, why would I want to be uncomfortable? Well, that's, but that's what I'm saying. Having that, like, tightness right around, like, right underneath your bust line well, is no, really uncomfortable. Well, some something in there. It would be fine. I like an empire waist. I, I don't know. Anyway. So, I, but that blue check number just, let's burn it. I hate I it. I don't Fucking remember that it. at it's all. It's so gross. I did not um, pay that There's much so many other, I think Marianne wears a couple of dresses. There's one that's like a, uh, like a mauve color with a, like a light floral pattern that I really like, and she also has a deep green velvety number that I enjoy. Um, but I, the, every time I see Emma Thompson, that blue check number. Also, when Edward comes to see her and Lucy is there, she's wearing this really pretty off-white thingy. Love it. So I could talk about the clothes for a lot, a long time. You sound like such a fucking girl. The right bonnets now. and the ribbons. Like, okay, I could talk about the them all bonnets day. and the ribbons. <laughs> oh, they're so delightful. The only thing about the dresses I don't like is you really can't see anybody's footwear. Oh yeah, that it sucks. That's that terrible. Although speaking of footwear, there was <laughs> I don't. Margaret was coming out of the treehouse. I think at one mm-hmm. point she had these like bright red boots on. Oh, oh, I fucking love so those. You were into those. Yes, I was into the attire With of the, the 10-year-old. <laughs> she's almost 12. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, then. Um, but yeah, so she's wearing that ugly-ass dress, and she invites Edward over so she can tell him, and he's trying to say, I'm so sorry, mm-hmm. and she's like, let me stop you. I have news, and it's, you're going to be really happy about it. And then he says something about her friendship is the most important of his entire life, which mm-hmm. is just fucking Swedish. And shit. then she says, and you'll always have it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. It's... The two of them together, I can't stop. Like, I just want to see the two of them together. Those two characters together, I just want it. And it's kind of cool because you don't see a lot of them throughout the movie. It's very little, which is kind of great. And then there are two more. Like, I wouldn't say this is my favorite, but I feel like the acting is very good. And I don't know. I could see where some people might think it was a little melodramatic, but I thought it was perfect. When Marianne is sick... um, and we should probably bring bloodletting back because I feel like it could be a very cleansing thing. Like, instead of going to, like, a float spa, you just go to, like, a bloodletting spa. So, I mean, there is... I guess giving blood is, like, Like, with any kind of medieval medicine, there is an element of efficacy in much of it. Mm-hmm. So, for example, yeah, leeches are still actually used yeah. in medical practice today, which is essentially bloodletting. Um yeah, I don't know that giving blood. I feel great after I give blood. I've never given it because I'll probably pass. You out. never give him blood. I'll be sick. Like oh, it, it yeah. makes me sick to think about it. Honestly, what do you mean it makes you sick to think about like, it? The sight of blood. Like I don't mind getting a shot, but I can't look at it. The needle going in, the blood oh. coming out. I can't. So when when you go to have a blood test done, do you not watch when they do it? Oh uh, fuck no! And I have to oh. like. I remember the last time I did it, the girl like kind of laughed at me because I was looking away and I was like deep breathing, deep breathing, and she's like, this girl's about to pass out. And oh, I was yeah. like, just fucking hurry the fuck up. You're like, like, uh, you're like Bob from Bob's Burgers. It, what he just gave blood the other day and like freaked out. He can't I, handle blood. I start to get like lightheaded and feel really cold. Mm-hmm. And then and that's how I feel like I'm almost going to pass out. I have to watch them do it. If I get a shot, if I have blood drawn, I haven't given blood in years, but when I was a teenager up until probably, I don't know, 23, 24, mm-hmm. I used to give, I don't know, whenever they would call. Um, 
Yeah. And then I stopped doing it because they would have to spin me every time. And I got rejected a few times because my iron was always really low. So. I get allergy shots every week. And sometimes I can feel the needle going in and coming out. Yeah. And that I just like. Like I can feel it coming out. Like I can feel it kind of sticking. And like mm-hmm. that was gross. Oh. Also, bloodletting always reminds me of the SNL sketch with Steve Martin. It was like the barber of medieval barber or barber of york or whatever and at one point like bill murray's character he's playing this character he comes in and his legs are all fucked up he's like in a wheelbarrow they wheel him in and he's like i must have too much meat and i darted out in front of an ox cart and they hang him up by his legs and like these bones come like falling out of his legs and then um one of the the ladies in the show like she's there for some (laughs) bloodletting And she's just, like, this really pale, I think it was Lorraine Newman, she's just, like, really pale, and, like, she's got, like, veins opened up or whatever, and, uh, Kilda Rounder's playing Broomhilda, the assistant, and she walks over, and she, like, picks up her hand and drops it, she's like, she's dead! <laughs> and the mom starts crying, Jane Curtin's the mom, just, it's one of my favorites, but mm. anyway, from, like, some of the old school. Um, so, yeah, so... Marianne is sick and she's in the bed, and, um, it's nighttime, and Eleanor has this moment of just, like, Tell oh, her, when she please starts, like, try, yeah. please try, and then she's like, "Don't leave me alone." That I always get really emotional about because it feels very real. Like, I, um, I think I felt like it was a little melodramatic, and I think here's the thing: I can I, see that too. Yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't bad. It's not like it was laughable, like so many scenes mm-hmm. in movies are, um, but it felt it felt too abrupt to me. Like, I almost wanted more of a lead-in. Like, like, talk to her for a minute first Mm -hmm. before you just break into tears and shout at her. That was kind of... I I don't know if that would be from, like, a writer's perspective or or more of a kind of a director perspective, but it just felt like in that moment she went from being calm and quiet to, oh, I need you, I need you. And if you had just been kind of calm and quiet and into, you know. And then slowly. Yeah, yeah. I, I really feel like I need you in my life. I really feel like you're not trying right now. Yeah. I need you to try and build it up a little. I think it would have felt less overly dramatic to me. But that that leads right into the doctor smiles, the fever is broken. Mom That's all it took up. was a good talking to. Yeah, yeah. but Colonel Brandon. Screw bloodletting. Just <laughs> tell her to try. I know. So – that always makes me emotional too when mom shows up and she's hugging Marianne and it's then so Colonel Brandon's like when... sneaking in but then the and she's like she thanks him and he sneaks back out. But when <laughs> when Eleanor leaves her room at one point and finds the colonel out there and he says, you know, just give me something to do. Yeah. Um that's great, right? Give me an but, occupation or my I will run mad. But why did he not think of going to fetch mother? I know. Because let me tell you something. In Little Women, that was the very... <laughs> nobody had to say, will you go get mother? No, Lori was on it. He was like, I understand that Beth is sick and Beth needs her mother and we are immediately going to go and find her and bring her back. If you really loved that girl, <laughs> you would have just gone and gotten mother. And let me just say, too, if we're talking about Little Women and I'm going to go to both versions, the 94 version and the 2019 version, the men in Sense and Sensibility are men. The men in the Little Women movie are boys, but it might be because but it's, it's supposed Little Women. To, They're well, supposed no, to be boys. Yeah, they were supposed to be boys in <laughs> Sense and Sensibility, too. But wouldn't it have been awkward to have somebody like Tim, like Timmy Chalamet Little Timmy. next to... Like 36-year-old Emma Thompson? Exactly. He would have been... I think he was supposed to be older, but I think yeah. he was supposed to be probably in his 20s. Chalamet would have made a good Edward. No, Chalamet would... Okay. No, who, he wouldn't. Who would you cast as Willoughby nowadays? Chris Evans? (laughs) (laughs) He's a little too... He's a little too modern, (laughs) I think. 
Um, Sebastian Stan? I don't know. I I feel like there are definitely, I I feel like Willoughby has, there's certainly um, a playful quality about him. So it would have to be somebody with that that kind of uh, playful quality that it can also be sincere, but I think also needs to be able to hide things well. Mm. Like he hides behind his yeah. his humor and his playfulness, mm-hmm. um, and that's there's a subtlety there that I think is really important. Frailty, thy name is Brandon. <laughs> it's such a drama queen. That is Will, Willoughby in a nutshell is an absolute drama queen, but. Props to that guy who is Emma husband, Emma Thompson's husband, oh, really? Greg Wise. Oh. Um, and the guy who plays Robert Ferris is her sister, Sophia Thompson's husband. Oh. They all met on this I, I remember this hearing that she had met her husband on the film, but I didn't actually yeah. look at the names and put two and two together. Um, well, so she, he's, he was an attractive man, so he did a good job. When he sweeps in on that horse, gets off, tells little Margaret, like, he's, he's totally safe, it's cool, and then he's just... It is the least sexy thing in the world to take someone's smelly shoe off their wet fucking stocking foot. How do you know it's smelly? But he, it is such a sexy moment because it's that time and he's touching her and taking off her shoe and she's just like overwhelmed with all of it. And then he, of course, carries her back. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, see, that overly romantic schlock does not do it for me. (laughs) It's just... do it for me it's just very i see i saw it i I think it worked really well knowing marianne yes knowing that that is exactly the kind of dramatic entrance that a man must Mm -hmm. make to capture her heart you know and then mom and and eleanor both know it too like they're all talking about how him and of course eleanor appreciates that he's brief like it was 10 words at most that he spoke and then mm. he was out but they're like oh he's just so, i love that he's so going out and she, that she's whispering like his name his name <laughs> good his name that's it the, the the so my absolute favorite part of the movie is the end mm. not the wedding not that when, when she breaks down in tears when edward shows up but before that even he shows up and they're all thinking he's married right and they're mm. like oh we want to miss mrs dashwood and he's like oh but you know you must be in mrs robert or Mr. Well, Mrs. at first Fa- he's Mr. like, Ferris. my mother's fine. Right, right. And he's like, Mrs. Robert Ferris. And he says, and uh, he stands up to explain. And they're all, lo- and, then, and, and then Eleanor's just like, so you're not married? And he's playing with this, like, statue of a little lamb. They have mm-hmm. all these little pastoral statues. And he's playing. He's, like, tugging on its ear and kind of saying what was going on. And she loses it. Yeah. Which is Perfect. Yeah, I love it. I love like, it. Like hiccuping sobs, and then everybody else is looking at you like, and then I just we gotta like, go. Really, <laughs> perfect. So you're like, I'm laughing, but I'm also crying because I'm just like watching her emote that way makes me really emotional. And then he explains everything, but I also love that we don't get to see the proposal. We don't get to see. We hear him. You saying, don't need it. But you get to see Margaret climbing up in the treehouse and yeah. then telling them what. Oh, she he's sees. down on one knee. And then they're hugging, and I'm going to cry just thinking about it, because they're oh. all so happy, and that's really all I want for them. And like, then do you... <laughs> okay, yes, go on. <laughs> well, I just, you know, like, it just gives you such hope and such feeling, and there's a feeling of, like, we can celebrate this, it's a good thing, like, because Eleanor was so heartbroken, and they knew it, but she... And, and even, you know, when um the guy, I think it, 
I don't know what his name was, but he was the guy who helped him around the house, um, one of the servants. Yeah. And he came and told them, you know, oh, Mr. Ferris is married, and, and I saw Mrs. Ferris, and I, I made free to wish them well, because, you mm-hmm. know, and she just kind of leaves. Like, she hides it. Whereas when they come home from Marianne, being told by Willoughby he has to leave, she's walking around the house sobbing like a fucking ghost. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, they know that she's hurt, but they don't see it. So for her to have that release of, like, my life, it can be what I want it to be. Like, uh, this man that I care so much about, it's going to happen, and it isn't. And, and we already know that Edward's the kind of guy who he's not going to marry for money. He's no Willoughby, right? He's a good guy. Mm-hmm. Um, it just feels good. Like, mm-hmm. it just makes me happy. Yes. Um, what I was going to ask <laughs> is to bring it back to Jane Austen. Uh-huh. Does that trouble you, then, to know how her life ended? I don't know. Like, I did watch Becoming Jane, but I can't remember what happens. Uh, she left her love behind. She never married, never had any kids, and died fairly young. Who played the love? Was it James McAvoy? In Becoming Jane? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Which is one of the reasons I do um, love that movie. No, it doesn't bother me. Um, I, and then when I say bother, I don't mean, like, bother. I, I guess more find interesting. Um, mm, or No, I mean... Your, the life that you have sure will influence the work that you do if you're a creative, but I feel like your life is your life. I mean, this is a story. Like, it's nothing but a story, right? Like, it's... Sure. I meant more you were so invested and so emotional that she got this life with this man. Mm. Does it bother you to know that the woman who created that story never got to have that kind of life? Like, that actually behind it is right. sadness and loneliness? Well, I can't say that Jane Austen was sad and lonely. Maybe she was happy being alone. I mean, I think most of the stories you hear, you don't necessarily get that. I don't know that she was miserable. Um, I guess I don't, but I guess the stories that we hear are, like, from it, like, thinking about the time that she lived... If you're a spinster, yeah, right. So I don't buy into that. Like I imagine you could have a happy life no matter what time it is. And I think that is true. However, there is certainly something to be said for how you're treated in society. Fair, that's um, fair. So you know, we could look back now and say, well, there's nothing wrong. Or you could be around now and say, well, there's absolutely nothing wrong with being a 40 year old woman who's unmarried I'm... without kids. But in that time, everyone would have treated you as though there was something wrong, and that certainly is going to affect how you feel about maybe. yourself. Or in maybe life. she had a group of friends who. I think she did have a group of, of literary friends, yeah, too. Yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. Um, like, I'm not saying people wouldn't have treated her a certain way or she wouldn't have been looked at a certain way, but I don't buy that because of your circumstances and how people look at you, you would feel, be miserable, I guess. I think to take someone who writes about romance and to know that maybe she never got the kind of love or romance that she imbued these characters with i think that is mm, sad in its own way maybe she wasn't sad i don't know her i didn't know her personally i'd argue you're romanticizing a little bit that that the writer's life i guess or that like because i I, I get what you're saying you can't write about stuff that you don't know it's not good I mean, you can write you about can. whatever you I mean, want. I can write about, about aliens in space all the time. And right, but if you fine. don't do any... No, because if you're not connected to it emotionally, the characters, 
even whether the characters are robots or fucking aliens or whatever, if you're not emotionally connected to it, if you don't understand those characters and their desires and their hopes, it's not going to sure. be good. I guess, I guess, again, I, I don't, I can't say because I don't know the first fucking thing about Jane Austen's life. But I, so I feel like I can't judge one way or the other. I could see, I understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I totally see what you're saying, that there's something haunting about the fact that someone might write these stories where people fall in love and it, things work out in the end who maybe didn't have that themselves. But I also feel like... And that's my point. I'm, I'm not it's, saying it's that story. she was a depressive like, because of it. Right. I'm saying, isn't that interesting? Because hmm. I don't, I don't believe that you could write about these things and not have at least a part of you that desires to have those same desires that your characters right. do. I don't believe for a minute that anybody oh, is that sure. good of an yes. actor in their right. writing. Right. Like, nobody's writing stories about how they had a magical divorce. Well, yeah. Or, or a magical well, I mean, spinsterhood. Again, just to come back to what you're... You write what you know. Mm-hmm. So, I don't understand engineers of any kind. Mechanical, chemical packaging computer computer engineers don't make sense to me if i wrote a character who was an engineer it wouldn't make sense to any engineer who read it (laughs) like any engineer who read a character i wrote who was an engineer would just be like either this is a caricature Mm -hmm. (laughs) or just not real so i think in order for her characters who were largely women of a certain age who were desperate for love Mm. um in order to write those women and have them seem believable, there must have been a part of her who was a young woman desperate for love. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting question. I don't have an answer. I don't have an answer. Yeah. I'm just... Haunting, I think, is a good word for it. Mm-hmm. I, again, I don't know that she was forlorn about <laughs> the way her life went, but um, it is perhaps ironic sad in a way i think um yeah interesting yeah i guess ironic would I, ironic would describe it maybe um i don't know I, I guess i for me i feel like you can have whatever life you have and you can write stories that because maybe these stories maybe more resonated for her when she was younger yeah, yeah. sure they may and have or go- maybe that part of her that wanted all of this mm-hmm was living in those stories and was fine just living in those stories and she didn't need it in her real life. I just find it terribly interesting, I suppose. Well, I have some burning questions. Oh, please do. I guess this is sort of in the line of Lucy Steele question, but do you think that Willoughby is a sympathetic character? Did you hate him after you found out what he did to Beth? Um, I thought that he was a dirtbag. But I didn't. Oh, I, I do think then he's inherently not sympathetic. Well, no, I, no, not necessarily. I, I do think that he because we end the the movie with him on that hill, like right, <laughs> regretting his choice. I think that he. I think he's an idiot. I think that he did not have his priorities straight. He did some fucked up shit. And I think, yeah, that, that's what I mean when I say he's a dirtbag, like kind of an asshole. But I do think that he was painted as a real person. Like, you, mm-hmm. I think that he you saw yeah. in his moments with Marianne that there was affection there, that there was a connection mm-hmm. there. And like I said, when kind of describing the character, I think you, you do get a feel for 
he's he's fun and he's funny and he he's you know kind of the quirky guy and he wants to have a good time but there is something else there mm-hmm. and there is a sincerity there and there is like I said kind of an affection there yeah. and so I didn't I never got the feeling that he was just being a man about town and didn't care about her at all and was just using her or anything like that no but he wasn't telling her the truth no he and wasn't he wasn't like he left a woman pregnant mm-hmm. and then he left Marianne when he lost all his money and never explained why yes. right so yeah a dirt so i think yeah exactly or a, an incredibly uh immature selfish person yep but i wouldn't say he was wholly unsympathetic i think that was i would say this movie um i don't know that there was a single character that i felt was purely cartoonish mm-hmm. even i don't remember her name the the old woman who they stayed with who was the this gossip hound yeah even she was she was so excited to see them in the beginning. And, oh, these girls, I feel like I know you already mm-hmm. and I love you so much. And, like, she's obnoxious as fuck. But, man, if she isn't a real loving mm-hmm. woman, too. You know, yeah. she's still encouraging Marianne. Like, oh, don't worry. He'll write when they're in London. He'll write soon. Yep. And everything will be fine and wonderful. And you can tell that she actually does care about these girls. Even though she's also kind of pushing their buttons and making fun of them a little bit and yeah, stuff. Yeah, but that's just who she But is. exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't think that there was a bad character. I think mm-hmm. there were a lot of bad choices yeah. by all of them, um, even to an extent. And so I do feel like Eleanor and Edward should be together and wanted to be together and everything. But man, if I had heard his story about oh my fiance, who I was engaged to forever, who I was perfectly well gonna marry in fact i gave up my mm-hmm. whole life to marry her she left me but now i'm here for you um <laughs> sounds a little bit like yeah uh, i i think i can understand being really excited in the moment because you've stuffed this hurt down for so long mm-hmm. and now you have the ability to let go of that because he he is actually here and he's with you and you love him and that's great there would have been a very serious conversation for me maybe a couple days later of like hang on a sec um do you actually want me? Or is <laughs> this just like second a choice. second best kind yeah. of thing? Yeah. Like, you just want to get laid. Right. I don't understand. Do you I just feel but, trapped now? I don't think that is the case. No, I'm just saying it Ed, is Edward's it's not that person. a gross kind of scenario. Though. Right. Right. Yes. If you just say it, it sounds gross. Right. Like, he was engaged, but she left him for his brother, mm-hmm. so then he went back to Eleanor. Yeah. With his tail between his legs. Yeah. Um, Marianne's hair. Love or hate it. Um, a little bit of both. Mm. I think I remember in the 90s thinking like, oh, gorgeous. Like just, oh, that, that, the, the curls, curls were so beautiful. And I remember interview with the vampire um, oh, and Kirsten, Kirsten Dunst's Dunst. hair. And do you, do you remember the scene too where she, she hated it, it because she looked like a doll and she, she goes cuts and cuts it off and, it off and then it immediately grows back. Yeah. But I, I do scene. think those curls were so beautiful and perfect and picturesque for um, a certain like period. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of those kinds of period pieces kind of going on in the 90s. I think Emma was in the 90s too. Yep. And mm-hmm. so. But that, there's a particular way that they do their hair where it's like up, but then they have these curls around their faces right, and like yeah. down their necks. And I would say in general, I do not like it. I think it looks kind of crazy. Um, but <laughs> I remember really liking it at the time. And I still kind of. You know what I really liked was Emma Thompson's hair. The way it was pulled back, it was almost like rolled. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I love it. Oh, that was yeah, great. Looks yeah. good. Yeah. But I, looking at looking at Kate Winslet's hair now, like not mm-hmm. now, like how she is now. She's 
fucking gorgeous woman. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, looking at Sense and Sensibility, Kate Winslet's hair now, watching it last night, it was too curly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means, it was too curly. Yeah. But I was looking at it thinking, like, oh, that's just too much work. Yeah. It's funny how the fashions go in and out. Um, <laughs> how they go in and out from the <laughs> early 19th century. <laughs> so for you, mm. would you prefer polite affections to, like, a fiery love affair? The Edward and Eleanor versus the Willoughby and Marianne. Yeah, I would say somewhere in between. Man, it's hard for me. I I feel like my uh, romantic ideology is sort of borderline bipolar. Mm. Um, I do need fire and passion. But I am a very... I get fired up really easily. Mm-hmm. I can be a little bit of it's. I, I feel like that's me too. Like I, I can either be just really cool and whatever, or really fiery and fuck you. This is how things must be. And um, and in that instance, I need somebody who can bring me back down and just be a calm voice of reason. Um, but at the same time, if you do not fight with me, mm-hmm. we cannot have a relationship. Like, I need to need I need to argue and yell, and I'm not saying that there should be violence or mm-hmm. anything like that, of course, right. but I mean, yeah. I, I, like I, a, a heated debate. Yes, yes. Um, people who are just inherently uh, calm really bother me. Like, really bother me. I didn't necessarily get that from Edward. I got the feeling that he was more... He's just timid. Sort of, well, like, I don't even know that timid came to mind. It was thoughtful. He was just very kind of pensive. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's fine as long as he'd be willing to get up and fight. I don't know. The more as as I'm talking through it, I think think I'm talking myself into I need the fire. You need the fire. I mean, the guys that you express interest in are the kind that I would expect to be kind of Mm-hmm. They're not perfect gentlemen. No. Right? And that's kind of... I honestly... It freaks me out when people are. Yeah. And and that's the way, you know, Marianne describes this, like, polite affections, mm-hmm. you know, Eleanor and uh, Edward. But I think Eleanor and Edward, there's fire there. It's just... That's kind of what I mean, subtle, though. Yeah. Right? Like, it's not like... They're not... They will be boring. dashing in and rescuing you or, like, driving fast in a carriage down the road. Right. They weren't a... The conversations they had were still fun. Yeah. They were still having yeah. fun. It, you yeah. know, they weren't a terribly boring couple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I guess, I guess for me, I just would want to, I think I just need to be friends with someone first and really know them and trust them. You need to go for a nice long walk with them. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. But I can also see that. I've definitely had men in my life where I was like, immediately felt an attraction to them and I could see that kind of thing happening too, but I don't think... That kind of stuff, I think, would flame out pretty quick. I think that's what kind of cracks me up most about stories of this era, and honestly, mm-hmm. life of this era, I, I imagine, is, and maybe it's because everybody died younger. I don't know. <laughs> but maybe. you don't. Nobody seems to be thinking when you, like, a woman first meets a man, and we go for a nice long walk, mm-hmm. and we talk. Now we should probably get married. That's how it feels. <laughs> it feels like it's like the love story is, well, he said my name, and now I'm going to have his children. As opposed to a love story of today, which would be like a meet-cute, which was essentially what all of these people had was kind of a meet-cute. There's a meet-cute, but then there's also like, 
we're dating other people. And then there's also like, well, we have great sexual chemistry, but we're not going to see each other for several months. But now we're back together and maybe we'll be together for a few years and then we'll have a broken engagement and then we'll be together for another <laughs> year. And then finally we'll get married. We'll be happy, <laughs> live happily ever after, after, you know, years of what would be considered courtship. It's just funny to me that you could even have the thought that after knowing someone but a few weeks and going on but a few walks that we could even be talking about marriage. Jesus. It, I love it. It cracks me up. If only it were that easy. Do you believe for a minute that Willoughby really carried those sonnets around with him all the time? It just seemed a little bit. Yes. And let me tell you why. Because he was catting around town, (laughs) knocking on all Beth's doors, every Beth he could find. And I bet that he was carrying that around with him in the same way that other men will carry around ridiculous pickup lines. (laughs) Lindsay, is that how you greet your birds? Oh, I see you're still alive. Sometimes. Okay. <laughs> it was. And then there's one point that Lucy walks up to the bird and then just like snaps at her. And she's like, oh. Which is 100% real. <laughs> that definitely happens. Don't pull away. You never pull away. Um, no, I definitely wanted to jump through the screen and be like, how pretty? Do you want to step up? Step up. Very step pretty. Up. pretty That's pretty. a green wing. And man, I... Green wings, they can be the sweetest. Aww. Scarlets are little bitches. Like, I've known some Scarlets too. Don't get me wrong. They were fun. Um, but they just love to nip. But green wings are real. The, we knew a green wing macaw who... I called him Baby Cakes, and he started saying Baby Cakes. Which, when somebody did finally take him home, they changed his name because they wanted him to be a manly man. So oh they, they changed to, like, Sergeant something and called him Sarge. <laughs> but he would say, like, Baby Cakes. Aww. And he would... It was the cutest thing. We would lay on the floor sometimes. And this one time he was laying on the floor... And he came up and he like kind of bit me in the side, just a little pinch. Mm-hmm. And I squeaked out an ow. His eyes dilated really big and he looks at me, he goes, ow! <laughs> and he did that several times after that. Like it became a fun little game where he, he would, he wouldn't sound. always, yeah, he wouldn't always even bite. He would just, every once in a while, his eyes would dilate and he would go, uh, ow! <laughs> so fucking cute. Birds. Um, let's see. The <laughs> moment when... Eleanor goes to knock on um, the Palmer's bedroom door, and Hugh Laurie comes out, and she's like, "I think Marianne needs a doctor." And I want to be like, "He is a doctor, woman, <laughs> right?" You're talking to Doctor House, so MD. Doctor House, MD. It's just House MD, but anyway, Doctor House MD. <laughs> <laughs> his his little one liners, like I'm gonna plant. His wife's like, I'm gonna plant some trees on that hill so we can't see his. No, you're not. You will do no such thing. <laughs> yeah. She's like crumpling his papers he's trying to read. (laughs) And what did, didn't her mother say at one point, like, he made some kind of snarky comment when they were trapped inside in the raid, and she even said something like, well, you you took her, you can't give her back. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, he was wonderful. He was so good. Um, Let's see. The other thing I thought was really cute was... Their mom, Mrs. Dash, would kind of remind me of my mom. Like, if if my sister was dating some guy, my mom would be like, all in on the guy, right? Like, all oh. in on the guy. But then the second the guy was gone, she'd be like, oh, I never liked him. <laughs> I've seen my friend's moms do the same thing. Like, suddenly it's like all the things they didn't like about him come out. So, like, she's all in on fucking Willoughby. Mm-hmm. But when Willoughby's gone at the end, she's like, you know, there was a time something in his eyes I didn't oh, like. Yes, you yes, remember. Yes. <laughs> Eleanor's just like, oh god. Yes, mother, I yeah. remember. I really think that relationship between the sisters, like uh when Brandon comes into the sick room after 
Mrs. Dashwood is there and Marianne's out of danger and he goes to leave and Eleanor has just seen Marianne say thank you to him and then he walks out and Eleanor kind of turns and like the look on her face of kind of like something's happening between those two like they just made the best looks like mm-hmm. uh when Eleanor and Edward in the beginning were kind of walking and talking and Mrs. Dashwood is watching them and mm-hmm. also Fanny is watching them and Mrs. Dashwood just has this look on her face like yeah and like Fanny of course is just like this is some bullshit she gives a really good stank face mm-hmm. Fanny does who has a secret five-year engagement like is that a thing anymore would you like to have a secret five-year engagement who says I don't have one <laughs> yeah you probably do <laughs> multiple you fucking Willoughby yeah um I don't I don't think I really have anything else. I I'm not surprised by how you reacted to it because I feel like I like yeah, I'm not surprised. Like in, I in what like that 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 is just not your jam. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Like cuz yeah. I cuz it's not I wouldn't think that this would be my kind of movie either. Yeah. And I knew that going in. Yeah. Like I said, I I had heard wonderful things about it. I was never opposed to seeing it. I just never sought it out because because yeah it's just not my jam so is this a like i had asked you earlier today because i I was just curious like i feel like this is the kind of movie that women could get into but maybe not guys i don't think that there is a man a straight man in particular who would purposefully watch anything from jane austen or the bronte sisters Mm -hmm. i just think that is a hundred (laughs) percent Um, for women in fact I feel like it's so so feminine that even I have a distaste for it yeah because it's like just it's just like too far in the feminine sphere I think even I am like oh my god do you think I'm that much of a girly girl that I would like that Hugh Laurie is the he's the guy or Hugh Laurie's character Mr. Palmer yeah that's him yeah he's the guy he's the guy on the couch being like what the fuck am I watching? Right. And I kind of feel like I'm that too. No, not even in a guy way. Mm-hmm. I feel like that about most things. You know, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Who are these? Why is everybody talking so fast? Why is there so much gossip? What the hell are you even going on about? Would you not just shut your mouth? <laughs> Let me read in peace. Damn it, woman. Damn it, woman. All right. I have some fuck, Mary kill that I want to do. Oh, okay. First, the men themselves... Hugh Grant, Hugh Laurie, or Alan Rickman. Fuck, Mary kill. Oh. Um, I'm going to fuck Hugh Grant. I think that's that's an easy one. That's a solid, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, oh God, that's so hard. I think, I don't want to kill Alan Rickman because I do love him. But I think I would, I think I would prefer to marry House, MD. <laughs> um, I think, I, <laughs> I, I love Hugh Laurie. I honestly love Hugh Laurie. Okay. I loved so him in House for years. You're I loved him. him. I fucking loved him in Veep. Um, oh my god, yes. I. <laughs> yeah. He's perfect in that. I know. So okay. yeah, I think I think I'd right. marry. So Hugh you'd marry him and kill Alan Rickman. So Alan Rickman in this this movie, I really enjoyed the way that he, when he's reading to Marianne, he's like, "You've never seen Dogma, have you?" Yeah, yeah I've seen that. You have Are you seen it. Me? Yeah. Okay. Did yeah. you not like it? Yeah, I thought there was something. I, I liked it. Maybe you just didn't like it as much as you should have. I haven't seen it in a while. I feel like we've had a conversation I, about it. I love you. a latest Morissette set in that movie. Well, okay, sure. But yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen it. I actually kind of want to watch it again. I love I you're like, I love the one character who doesn't speak. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But I, I like Kevin Smith. I haven't seen like Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back or some of the. Maybe I we were talking Burks about too. them and you just didn't put Dogma at the top yeah, of your list of all of them. All of his. Yeah, the way that he speaks in this movie, like when he's reading Marianne at the end, and yeah. he and his like, voice is something fucking magical. But what is it? She says, he says, "I won't be here tomorrow," and she's like, "Why not?" And he's like, "I must away." Mm-hmm. And he, she's like, "Where are you going?" And I can't say because it's a secret. Mm-hmm. Um, or when he leans into Margaret because she asks if you really been to the East Indies or the West Indies or wherever the fuck, and <laughs> he's like. The air is full of spices. Just the sound of his voice. Mm-hmm. He's just, I can't describe. He's Alan Rickman. It's thrilling. It's, um, I, I honestly think everything that yeah. he is, in, and I I haven't seen everything that he's in. For example, Harry Potter, not a fan. Um, but yeah, he's one of the most recognizable, and mm-hmm. not just his face is recognizable, sure, but that voice. Ugh. I know. I do miss him. All right, one more fuck, Mary kill. Okay. Colonel Brandon, Edward Ferris, or Willoughby. Or and Willoughby, I guess I should say. Um, oh god. Okay, I'm gonna kill the colonel again. But there was also... <laughs> Poor Alan Rickman. I know, I feel awful. But, um, we, we can't hurt him, he's already dead. Well, I'm fucking Willoughby but, and, and having and having married Edward. I think that's what I would do as well. Yeah. Even though I, a moment ago, kind of talked myself out of the calm relationship. Mm-hmm. But I, again, I don't think that... I don't think that Edward was boring. I think he's just he's just thoughtful. Oh, you know what? I've changed my mind. Kill Willoughby, fuck oh. Edward, marry Colonel Brandon. Yeah, I want to marry Colonel Brandon. Okay. He's I don't think I'm that's older. a poor choice. Yeah. I just don't want him to be my father. Yeah. Which sure. I fear he's looking to be. And I'd probably do what you did with Hugh Hugh and Rickman. I'd probably fuck Hugh Grant. Oh, but I think I would marry Alan Rickman, and so I would marry Alan Rickman in both cases, and then okay. Well, then with, I don't feel off as bad. with Hugh Laurie's head. What about what about um, Mrs. Wo- I was gonna say Mrs. Willoughby, <laughs> uh, the, the the mom, Mrs. Dashwood, Mrs. Dashwood, Ms. Dash, Miss Dashwood, or um, Marianne, Marianne, which drives me crazy. It was, no, it, it went like this. What was it? It was Mrs. Dashwood, Miss Dashwood, Dashwood, Miss Marianne, Marianne, Marianne and, and Margaret. Margaret. <laughs> like, what What age does this change? I don't know. The Miss and the... But okay. all the Mrs. Dashwoods and the Miss Dashwoods is very confusing. The same with all the Mr. And I don't Parishes. understand. And, and wouldn't Marianne be a Miss Dashwood? Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm wondering if there's an age difference. I don't know. It's I don't just know. dumb. Well, I would kill the mom, fuck Marianne, and marry Eleanor. Yeah, I think that's exactly what yeah, I would do. Yeah, that's exactly what I would yeah, do. That's that fair. one's a pr- that's, that's that was more obvious one. to me yeah. because um, Mary got for old ladies. Like Eleanor seems like she'd be up my alley in terms of getting married. You really just want that sweaty palm to like hit a window while you're fucking someone. Oh, sweaty palm. <laughs> yeah, you I really know. just I want was like, Kate this is Winslet. Titanic reference. Sweaty palm. I still think it's Leo's hand. Well, you're the literally the only person on the planet who I thinks know. that. All right. Well, thanks for watching it. Anything else before we hang it up? Since that's what I say now, because all I'm on on all day is fucking video calls. (laughs) Before we hang it up, anything else? I think I'm good. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you next time. The Movie Virgins. Hey, people. This is Leah, and I am happy and so pleased to announce that we have received our first two-star rating on Apple Podcasts. I have never felt more heard. One of you, dear listeners, has gone and done the thing that I asked, and that is give us a star rating. Who gives a fuck how many stars? Just, just, you just rated us, and thank you for that. 
Um, you know, maybe, may, maybe not. Maybe it's a coincidence. Maybe someone was listening to our shitty podcast and gave us that two-star rating. And it just so happened that I asked for that at the same time. And maybe, what, is, what does that mean that the universe is telling us? I think it's telling us to keep going. I think it's telling us that more people want two-star rating bullshit podcasts. And that's what we're here to do. Dear listener. Dear friends. So thank you. Um, whether you did it because I asked or not, I love you. God love you. And if anybody else wants to go out there and find, you know, in their Apple podcast app, whether, you know, you're on your iPhone or your iPad or your fucking MacBook or whatever the fuck, and you want to rate us, please do. And, uh, if you don't have an Apple product, please find one, take it, go to the podcast app and give us that, that star rating. One, two, three, four, five. I don't care. Just rate us. Please. And please know that if you rate us less than a five, that you are physically hurting Lindsay. That she has become physically ill over the thought that we have a two-star rating. And that, that should, you should sleep well at night knowing that. Okay, great. Well, next week, it's Christmas, and we have for you Bad Santa. Because what better than for the week of Christmas? You know, it's been... It's been a little over a year now since we've been doing this podcast, and I, I, there, we show no signs of stopping. None. We made it through 2020, and we're ready for 20. We're not really ready for 2021. We don't really plan ahead. We're just, it's a fucking shit show over here. We just make shit up as we go. So, thank you for listening to our shit show. You can find us on Twitter at Movie Virgins Pod, also a shit show. <laughs> We'll see you next time. One last thing. The music in this episode was written and performed by Melissa Powers.